This is Rob Silverstone at The Rob Silverstone Show. In today's episode, we'll talk about personal budgeting. That's an area that's near and dear to my heart. So, what is a budget? Basically, a budget is a plan as to how you're going to spend your money over the coming period of time, usually one year. Let's pretend it's October and you're setting a budget for all of the next calendar year. What elements would you like to include in that budget? Namely, what are your inputs, income, uh, dividends, cash gifts? What are your outflows, payments for rent, housing, food, car, clothing, etc.? How do those add up? Are your inputs greater than your outputs? Are your outputs greater than your inputs? It's a good idea to figure out what's happening so you can take corrective action before it's too late. So first, let's talk about financial goals. You may have short-term goals. You may have long-term goals. Perhaps you want to go out and save money for retirement while saving money for your kid's college while paying off your mortgage. Those would all be long-term goals though obviously you have to pay your mortgage every month. You may have a short-term goal. Maybe you want to save money for an upcoming vacation. You want to save money to pay off some bills. Uh, But it's a good idea to write down your goals. Decide whether each goal is a short-term or a long-term goal. Categorize them. Figure out how much money you think you really need over the next 12 months. If you have a mortgage, you're most likely not going to pay it off in 12 months, but you'll know what your monthly mortgage payment is and therefore how much money you're going to pay for the next 12 months. Write all these things down. These are very important. So, as I said, the first thing is your income. Do you get a salary? Do you get a bonus? Do you have any long-term benefits that have monetary value to you, such as retirement savings plan at work? Perhaps it's a 401k plan. Or perhaps you are saving money in an IRA if you don't have a retirement plan at work. Uh, Also, of course, you have to decide whether you want to save money in an A regular IRA or a Roth IRA, a regular 401k or a Roth 401k. The main difference between those accounts is that money you put into a regular 401k or an IRA is basically money that gets sheltered from current taxes. So you would not pay federal and state tax on the money you put into those accounts up to certain statutory limits. On a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, you're instead putting money in after taxes But when you withdraw that money and its earnings down the road in a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA, you don't have to pay taxes on it. On a regular 401k or regular IRA, you do pay taxes on the money you take out later. So both types of accounts have their pros and cons, and you're not automatically better off investing in one and not the other. However, no matter what, you are always better off putting some money into a retirement account than not saving for retirement. Because unless you're independently wealthy, you cannot assume that Social Security alone will be enough money to cover the cost of your retirement. So it's always a good idea, even if you're putting away a small amount every paycheck, to put away money towards retirement. So that's a subset of budgeting, of course. Any event, as we talk about how much money you have coming in, Figure out how much money your take-home pay really is, you know, after taxes and any other withholdings. Maybe that's in your weekly or bi-weekly paycheck if you get one. Uh, if you're working for yourself, it's how much money you keep at the end of each month after you pay, uh, or each quarter after you pay estimated taxes. 
but you should know what that amount is or determine what that amount is. Also, are you being paid consistently as in every two weeks? Or are you paid on a variable basis based either on the time worked, whether you complete a transaction? Uh, for example, in the real estate field, a lot of people only get paid money when they close a real estate purchase or sale. Uh, that may be every week or every month or maybe a few times a year. So it's good to put on paper or in a spreadsheet when you're getting paid and how much you're getting paid as an estimate in the new year. And it could be based on the last year, the year that's ending now. Uh, it could be based on the last couple of years. But you want to try to get a realistic look, not an inflated look, but a realistic look at what your money coming in is. Uh, you also want to figure out how much money you have saved in the bank, in an investment account, if you are lucky enough to have one, such as in stocks and bonds and mutual funds, uh, in any other kind of monetary savings account. Also look at how much money you have locked up in loans, whether it's a mortgage on your house or apartment, a car loan, credit card balances, student loans, or any other kind of personal loan. Of all of your loans, how much money do you have to pay back every month and every year? Uh, you want to, we want to write that down as well. Also, what are your fixed costs of living? In other words, how much money are you spending a month on food, on rent or mortgage, property taxes, utilities, such as gas and electric, water, cable, cell phone, etc.? What are those costs? You know, you may be able to change some of them. Uh, but you want to put them all down on the spreadsheet or on paper so you get a sense of how much money is going out the door every week or every month. What are your variable costs, such as for entertainment or travel, where you can decide to either go somewhere or not, to go to the movies or go to a sporting event or not? Uh, but those are considered variable costs because you don't necessarily have to spend money on them year in, year out. I mean, you may choose to do so to stay entertained or take vacations, but you don't have to, where obviously you have to spend money on food and housing uh, and gas and electric and water uh, if you live in a location where you have gas and electric and water service, of course. If you do spend money on entertainment, uh, what is it for? Movies, plays, sporting events, as I said, concerts. Uh, and if you spend money to travel, it could be for a vacation. It could be a weekend in Las Vegas. You could be traveling to a friend's wedding. Uh, you know, traveling to visit your parents, how much do you spend on that? Uh, and then finally, what are your short-term goals? Like maybe it's just to keep paying your monthly bills and to eat and to keep the roof over your head. Uh, maybe you have other short-term goals. You know, maybe you're saving up because next month there's going to be a big sale and you need to buy a new suit or a new pair of shoes and you don't have the money for it now, but you want to save so you can afford it when you go to the store. Last but not least on this this topic if you have a credit card balance, why do you have a credit card balance? Usually credit card companies charge you interest of 15 or 20 or even 25% on an annual basis, which is an exorbitantly high rate of interest. In the course of a year, you could pay more money in interest if you don't pay off the credit card bill. You could pay more in interest than you actually paid to buy the things that you originally bought with a credit card. So be very careful about that and try, if you have debt, to make sure you put you pay off the credit card balance first because otherwise you're putting up too much money into the interest to your credit card company for nothing. All right, um, what are your long-term goals? Maybe you want to save in addition to retirement, you want to save to buy a house or a new car or you're going to take a big once-in-a-lifetime vacation. 
maybe you're saving for your wedding or for one of your kids' weddings. Uh, maybe you're saving for your kids' college. These are all major long-term savings uh, uh, you need to build up um, to pay for those items. And you might not even know, for example, how much money you need in retirement. But a good rule of thumb is, what is your current income, uh, the income that you feel you need to maintain your style of living? And if you retire at age 65 or 67 or 70, and you should expect, by the way, if you live to that age, that you're, that you're going to then live for another 20 or 25 years, how much money do you really need in retirement um, to live comfortably? Many people in retirement downsize their their living situation or they move to a state where expenses are lower or there's no personal income tax, uh, such as Texas or Florida. Uh, many people want to stay exactly where they are for the rest of their lives, and that's okay. Just know you need to save for it. Also in retirement, never underestimate the need for emergency costs to fly somewhere in a hurry or to pay off a medical bill that's not covered. If you're on Medicare, when you reach age 65, Medicare doesn't cover everything and you can buy supplemental insurance, but it doesn't always cover everything. So maybe you have some uncovered medical expense you need to, you need to pay for or a home health aid uh, beyond the very limited amount that Medicare covers home health aids. Uh, so you may need money for an emergency such as that. So keep that in mind as well. And the earlier you start saving for retirement, the better. So if you're 25 years old, you should definitely start, if you don't already have one, definitely start an IRA or a 401k. And if you already have one, put in as much as you can possibly afford to save toward retirement because as the earnings on that investment in that account build up tax deferred, if it's a regular IRA or Roth IRA, or with no tax whatsoever, if it's a, if it's a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, uh, the best thing you can do is save for retirement when you're younger. If you haven't saved anything for retirement and now you're older, that's okay. You need to save, you need to start saving though, and you need to put in more money every month toward that retirement account so you have sufficient money built up by the time you do retire. Keep in mind also that not everybody chooses when he or she is going to retire. Sometimes you get laid off from a job and you have a hard time finding another job because you don't have the right skills or there's unfortunately a lot of age discrimination in the hiring process, even though that is illegal, it happens. Uh, so keep in mind, the, even if you want to work to, to age 70, if you get laid off at age 62, you might have a tough time finding another job at comparable pay. Uh, that said, right now in the United States in 2021, as I'm recording this podcast, there is a labor shortage. There are many, many jobs that are open right now, in part because there are not enough people who live in those areas who are applying for those jobs, or the employers feel the people are not qualified for those jobs, but there are a lot of job openings. That's a good sign if you get close to age to retirement age and you're looking for another job, that there may be something out there for you. But also know it may take a while to find something. Anyway, back to budgeting. So you've written down your incoming uh amounts of money, salary, bonus, etc. You've written down or put into a spreadsheet your outflows, you know, which could be mortgage and car loan payments, food, rent, property tax, utility payments, entertainment expense, travel expense, what you want to save for and how how you expect to to save for it. You've written down all your expenses and you want to figure out am I above water or underwater? Am I saving money or am I spending more money than I'm earning? So you can do this in a spreadsheet. If you have basic Excel skills, you can list out 
the items separately. Uh, it might be a good idea to take a brief online training course in Excel if you're not so confident about that. You could also use software such as Quicken uh, or Mint. There's a lot of software out there that will help you do this. Uh, if you do find a website that lets you put in uh, your budget or your income and your outflows, make sure it's from a reputable company such as Intuit, which publishes Quicken. Um, don't just jump on the first website you find because it could be uh, fishers or hackers or somebody's trying to steal your information. So you want to make sure there's some reviews about the site, that they're positive reviews. Uh, you want to see if you can find somebody else who uses that site, maybe a friend of yours or relative of yours, just to make sure you aren't putting personal information into a vehicle that uh, bad elements are going to use to later try to steal your money. So be very careful about that. Uh, I mentioned before about emergency funds in retirement. In fact, you should be saving for a rainy day fund throughout your life. You could have an unexpected home repair or uh, unanticipated expenses because your pet got sick and you didn't have enough pet insurance. Uh, so it's a good idea to save at least three months of expenses. could be for something like that. It could be that, God forbid, you lose your job and it takes you a couple months to find another job. You don't want to be out on the street after only a month. And if you saved at least three months worth of expenses, hopefully you won't be. But these are other reasons to have some money just as a cushion, just in case. Don't spend it. Put it in an account. Maybe it's a separate account. Maybe add to it every couple of weeks just to keep it growing. Um, but just save money for an emergency because you never know. That money could be invested in a relatively low-risk manner, um, depending on your time frame or how much you have. It could be in an S&P 500 mutual fund or a government bond fund. Uh, but don't put it in something which there's an early withdrawal penalty because what if six months later you need to pull the money out and there's a penalty if you take the money out in less than a year. So you want to be careful about fees. In another podcast episode, I'll talk a little bit more about investing. I'm not an investment advisor, but I can tell you about some things I've learned and tell you about some of the sources from which I've learned those things. Um, so you can do some research on your own as well. Now, let's say you've put your, your income and your expenses into that spreadsheet or into Quicken, and what you've seen is you don't have enough of a surplus of income compared to expenses, and you want to cut back. So the question is, how do you cut back? Cutting back on your mortgage payment is not an option if you want to stay in your house. Cutting back on your food expense might make sense depending how you spend money on food, um, but you should also look at recurring items, and maybe there's an alternative that's less expensive. For example, do you like coffee? Most people do. How do you get your coffee? Do you make it at home? Do you buy it at Starbucks or some other chain? Uh, do you buy it at the corner grocery store? How much are you paying for coffee on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? If you were only to make coffee at home and bring it in a thermos or other insulated container, how much would that cost as an alternative? Some flavored coffees at Starbucks, for example, can cost 5 or $6 for a grande, a big cup of coffee. If you're spending $5 a day, that's $35 a week, which doesn't sound like that much money, but multiply by 52, uh, and you see how all of a sudden you're spending $1,800 a year on coffee. So, you know, this adds up very quickly. And would you really want to spend $1,800 a year on coffee? Maybe you would, and that's okay. But if you don't, uh, or if you'd rather make Starbucks an occasional treat and have most of your coffee made from home or made in the office if you have a company where you work that has coffee, consider that instead. 
what do you do for lunch? You know, do you buy uh, your sandwich at work in the corner deli? Uh, do you bring your food from home? Does your company have a cafeteria? Do you work in a restaurant where you get a free meal after your shift ends? Uh, these are all things to consider because if you're buying a prepared lunch from a corner grocery store or a diner or somewhere else, it could easily cost you between 5 and $15 a meal. If you're making lunch from home and bringing it in, maybe it's leftovers from dinner last night, maybe you bought sandwich meat and some bread, uh, and you put it together with some mustard and lettuce, that might only cost you a couple of dollars uh, a meal. So that might make a big difference. Again, not necessarily in a day or in a week, but in a month or a year, that could make a considerable difference. Same thing comes with cooking. Do you like to cook? Do you not like to cook? Would you rather order in food from a restaurant or get one of those prepared you know, cookable meals from one of the various vendors that deliver that every week or every two weeks, and they give you all the raw ingredients already sliced and measured, and you just put them together and cook them. Well, that's a lot cheaper. Those prepared but to-be-cooked meals are a lot cheaper than buying already prepared restaurant food, but both of them are more expensive than if you buy food on your own and cook. And if you don't have enough confidence about cooking or you never learned from your parents or your older siblings how to cook, you could actually take some online cooking courses that don't cost a lot of money. Then, when you're spending money on food, your food budget might come way down, or the cost of your food budget might come way down. This could take time. You know, If you live with somebody else, if you have a spouse or significant other, you could share that, that work and that cost. Uh, if you have roommates, same thing. If you're living by yourself, you could still cook for yourself. You know, If you cook a chicken, roast it in the oven, which is usually pretty easy, uh, once you once you get the hang of it, you know you buy a whole chicken in the supermarket. You bring it home. You put some spices on it, maybe even inside of it. I like uh, garlic powder and orange juice on the outside, and maybe a lemon on the inside or an onion on the inside. You roast it in the oven at about 375, covered for about an hour and a half, and then uncovered for about half an hour. Depends on your oven. You might want to use a food thermometer, by the way, to make sure the inside gets to the right temperature. You do that, though, if you're living alone, one chicken might be enough for you for four or five meals. Uh, and that's a very inexpensive way of preparing food for yourself. And you could have it for dinner four or five nights in the week. Uh, you could cut it up and make it into a sandwich for lunches. You know, But these are ways you can save money, and they can be kind of fun. You can be a little creative cooking. You might want to try different spices. Uh, you might want to ask friends and relatives to recommend rest simple recipes. You can certainly find plenty of simple recipes online, by the way. The key thing about all this is look at your lifestyle. If you think you're spending too much money and you want to spend less, try not to say, I'm going to make this go to zero, but to say, I'm going to make this less because I'm going to do it on my own, or I'm going to search out this alternative, or maybe instead of buying prepared foods every night, I'm going to have dinner with friends, you know, and one night I'm going to cook and we're going to share the food with our friends, and another night my friends will invite me over and they're going to cook for me and I don't have to spend any money that night. Um, so, you know, this is a way you can both be social and save money at the same time, which is actually can be a nice thing to do. I guess the main part of all this, whether it comes to budgeting and planning your lifestyle, is do everything in moderation. Don't go crazy and only cook expensive, uh, high-end foods every night. Don't go crazy and order in from restaurants every single day of the year. Uh, do everything in moderation. It's a great idea to eat at a restaurant as an occasional treat. It's a great idea to order in occasionally, especially when you're just too tired to cook. Do not get overwhelmed. You know, some people have a hard time putting together on a spreadsheet or on paper everything they do, everything they spend money on. 
do a little at a time, you know. It may take you several weeks to put it all together, but that's okay too. Maybe one night you only put down your income sources. Most people only have a few sources of income, so that's not, usually not complicated. And then when you're doing expenses, maybe one night you sit down and you're putting together your major expenses like rent and electricity and car and mortgage loan. Uh, one night maybe you're putting together your incidental expenses, like how much do I spend in co-pays for going to the doctor and the dentist in the course of a year? How much do I spend on travel? Uh, you can find a lot of this information out by looking at your credit card bills or your bank account statements just to see where the money is going. Uh, in, a, in a software program such as Quicken, you can actually categorize your spending and either type in or download from your bank or your credit card company uh, the information from the monthly statements. Uh, and then by putting in the categories, you can then go look, go back and look over the course of a year and say, how much money did I spend on entertainment? How much money did I spend on car payments? How much money did I spend on mortgage? And it's it can give you reports at the, you know at any end of a period of time to show you all that, which is very very helpful in terms of budgeting. If you're one of those people who likes to procrastinate because you're overwhelmed, it might be a good idea to break bigger tasks into smaller tasks. For example, if you want to budget things, uh, as I said, you could break down into daily or weekly exercises, just summarizing some aspects of how you spend money in the course of a month or a year. Uh, if you want to figure out how to cook, you can break it down into smaller tasks. Like tonight, I'm going to do research on how to cook chicken. Tomorrow night, I'll do research on how to cook roast beef. Thursday, I'll look into how to cook a scrambled egg. You know, but do, if you do them a little at a time and then you practice them, then you learn them and then pretty soon you don't have to rely on a recipe as much. You can just do it from memory. But only after you've repeated it a few times do you start to, to really learn how to do that thing, whatever it is. Uh, set periodic checkups to see how you're doing financially. If you have pro a financial program that you're keeping track of your spending, look at it every quarter or so to make sure your spending is still on track with where you thought it would be, that you're not spending more than your income. Uh, maybe you want to rely on a financial advisor if you have enough money to be able to afford to pay for one. If that's the case, seek out a financial advisor who is fee-based and not one who charges a percentage of your assets. The reason I suggest that is, depending how much in the way of assets you have, like let's say for argument's sake you have assets worth $100,000, and the advisor says, I'm going to charge you 3% of assets a year to tell you what to do with your money. So 3% of $100,000 is 3000 bucks, And maybe that's a worthwhile exercise if you do it once. But if you do it every year, over the course of 10 years, if the fees don't increase, and they always do, but if they don't increase, you've now spent $30,000 on investment advice in 10 years. Is that really worth it? You know, How much has your $100,000 of investments grown to in 10 years? Maybe it's gone up to 200000 but maybe it's only gone to 110000 So you want to be super, super careful about that. I always prefer uh, using a financial advisor who charges an hourly rate. Um, and who spells out, here's what I'm going to do for you, and here's my estimate of how much time it will take. So you have a better sense before you actually say yes of how much money you're going to spend on that. If you know nothing about investing and saving, it might be good to hire an advisor at least once to give you some advice that you can run with, or you can find advice online. But again, if you do, use a reputable source such as the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, Fortune Magazine, Forbes Magazine, they're all reputable actors in the information space. Don't just go to Facebook and find some random person who's giving financial advice because the person may actually give you unproven or bad advice 
or may try to convince you to invest in her next get-rich-quick scheme, which won't get you rich quickly, but it might get her rich quickly because she's going to take your money. So you need to be careful about that as, as well. So let me sum up, sum up a bit. So the heart of the matter is it's a good idea to put together a budget to see how you're doing, how much your inflows are and how much your outflows are. You want to plan for short-term and long-term savings of what you're going to save money for and why. You may change that every year and that's okay, but you want to figure out what to plan for. Let's say you're renting and you want to buy a house someday. All right, you need a down payment. If that house is going to cost $300,000, the down payment is usually 20%. 20% of $300,000 $300,000 is $60,000. That's a lot of money. If you start saving for it now, though, in a couple of years, you might be able to save for it. Uh, but if you don't start, you're not going to get there. Uh, you may want, you always want to start saving for retirement if you haven't. And if you have started saving for retirement already, you want to keep putting money into reti- a retirement account every single year because that's important. Uh, and then last but not least, You want to periodically have checkups or check-ins related to your financial numbers to make sure that you're still on track to get to whatever your goals are, whether it is to pay off your bills or to buy a house or to save more for retirement or save up for vacation. You want to make sure you're making progress toward that goal. As part of that, watch your spending. See how you're spending money and on what. And is that the right way to spend the money or is it better to have an alternative? One final bit of advice, if you like to go to bars and restaurants and you want to drink, The highest margin product in a bar and in a restaurant is alcoholic beverage, right? The margin might be triple or quadruple what it is on a plate of food. So you want to go out and have a drink? That's okay. But you know what? You could have fun having just one or two drinks. You don't need to buy five drinks. I had a boss one time who would like to drink when he went out, but he would intermingle his alcoholic drink with a glass of water. So when everybody else was having five drinks, he was having three drinks and two glasses of water. He wouldn't get as drunk as as his friends did, uh, and he also wouldn't spend as much money, but he'd still have fun. I don't advise that you get drunk, by the way, but I know a lot of you out there do. In any event, just an aside, the most important thing you can do is take care of yourself. Save for your goals. Save for that house. Save for college. Save for retirement. Save for that new car. Save to pay off your bills. Take care of yourself, please. Be nice to everybody else, but take care of yourself. Well, thanks for listening today. This is Rob Silverstone of The Rob Silverstone Show. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email them to rob at therobsilverstoneshow.com. Thanks for listening and look forward to the next episode. 